Jerusalem. Okay, let's get started. Uh, we want to we want to pick up a little bit um, where we left off. We have like two or three slides left, but this is kind of the rise of uh, Zionism uh, prior to the 20th century. Um, we did this slide correct. We talked about the Western Wall, how uh, Suleiman was given the or gave the Western Wall to the Jews as a place of prayer, and then all of those all of those myths that had applied to first the Temple Mount and then to when the Christians took over the Church Holy Sepulchre and then when the Muslims took over back to the Temple Mount with the Dome of the Rock. Now we're tra all the Jewish uh, traditions at least are now transferring to the wall. And remember we said the Western Wall is not the Western Wall of the Temple even though Moses Yerushalami said that's what it was. It's the, it's the Western Wall of the Temple Mount that Herod the Great built. Okay? Um... There we go. All right, so Saladin allows the Jews to resettle uh, in Jerusalem. And just like uh, Cyrus uh, in the book of Isaiah, he's kind of uh, depicted as the new Cyrus. That is, a new Messiah, if you will, that allows the Jews to return to Jerusalem. So again, just as you had a foreign king being called the Messiah in the Bible, uh, in Isaiah 45, now Saladin, this Islamic ruler, is now being referred to kind of as the new Cyrus, if you will. Uh, and of course, uh, the Jews are given the Mahribi quarter, which becomes the Jewish quarter in Jerusalem. So the quarter closest to the Western Wall. Another person we wanted, we didn't uh, mention last week uh, is uh, Yudah Halevi. And he was a physician from Spain who fled and tries to make Aliyah uh, in Jerusalem. He argued, basically, that Jews must return to the land of their fathers, obviously a, a reference to the biblical stories about uh, immigration, immigration into um, the Holy Land, and that they must risk their lives for Zion so that the Shekinah would return to Jerusalem. This is the presence of God, right? The Shekinah uh, would return to Jerusalem, and the redemption of the world would begin. So he very much uh, saw things spiritually through the eyes uh, uh, of the Jewish tradition. The redemption of the world would come at the hands of the Jews, and that would only happen when you had a physical presence back in Jerusalem. So playing upon um, this resettlement of Jews, this is, you know, this is 11, this is the 12th century, um, playing upon this tradition, Halevi be begins to call for um, a resettlement into Jerusalem. And then he sees Jerusalem as the gate to heaven wherein Jews need to stake their rightful claim. Again, Eliada would tell us that this is something that we should expect, right? If Jerusalem is the axis mundi, if it is the spiritual center, then it should also be the gate to heaven and to hell, for that matter. Um, one other Jewish philosopher we want to talk about is Maimonides, Moses, Moshe ben Maimon, um, also known as Rambam, so don't get him mixed up with Nachmanides. Ramban, right? Rambam. Uh, he also was born in Spain on Passover Eve. Uh, very prominent uh, doctor and philosopher in Morocco and Egypt. Um, uh, but he actually rose to have prominence in Egypt. Right? He had a lot of the things he said. He was really held in high regard in Egypt. He understood also Jerusalem as the center of the Jewish people. So the physical city is now once again beginning to take prominence uh, in the mind of Jews. The Jewish kingdom and the Jewish law had to be based on the temple. 
So after all these years outside of Jerusalem, Jerusalem not being that big of a deal, right? Now we're, getting, we're beginning to see these calls from Nachmanides and Halevi and Maimonides back to Jerusalem as the focal point of all things Jewish. Basically this idea of reclaiming Jerusalem. Okay? Um, and the Jewish kingdom, uh, again, this is also, Maimonides also 12th century, um, that it had to be based on the, the temple. And the haram must be treated as if the temple still stood. So disregard the fact that there's no longer a Jewish temple there. We need to treat the Haram Sharif, the Temple Mount, as if the temple still stood there. It's still the holiest place on earth for Jews. Jews should still be there reclaiming, resettling in that area. And he argued that the divine presence, right, the Shekinah, could not be banished from the Temple Mount. So we saw this notion that the Ark of the Covenant, remember way back in the 10th century, Ark of the Covenant comes to Jerusalem and now no longer a nomadic people, now a physical presence. They build a temple, and that's where God lives until it gets destroyed in 586, 587, right? And then all of a sudden you get, you get these visions. Ezekiel has this vision, and exile of God is once again mobile, right? But then as, we, as it becomes a Christian city, and as it becomes an Islamic city, and then back to a Christian city, and then back to an Islamic city after the Crusades, it just it wasn't that big of a deal, right? We see spiritualization of Judaism and you can be a Jew without the temple. You can be a Jew by the way you dress, by what you eat, by how you pray, um, by those with whom you affiliate. But then in the 12th century, we begin to see this drive back to, well, who cares if there's no temple? Jews, uh, Jerusalem, pardon me, is still the center of Judaism. And there still needs to be an affinity, an attraction for that place. And so we can see Jerusalem beginning to come uh, an important part of what we come to call Zionism. That is, the idea that Jews need to go to Jerusalem and settle there as their you know, promised land from God. And so we begin to see settlements there. Uh, the first settlements after the Crusaders, uh, this is Nachmanides in 1267. Spanish expulsions in the 15th and 16th century. Remember the Christians were kicking out everyone that wasn't Christian. So the Spanish uh, kicked out the Jews uh, and that leads to the emigration to Jerusalem. Uh, it should be emigration. Um, uh, Shabbatai Zebi declares himself the Messiah and visits Jerusalem in 1665. Keep in mind this is a common thing, the leader of the Jews, the promised Messiah. You've had lots of people throughout history claiming to be the Messiah. It's just a, it's a thing that recurs uh, over and over. <clears throat> And then you get the Europe, Europeanization, right? Uh, basically, uh, European Jews are beginning to emigrate into uh, Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. So you get Mishkanot Sha'ananim, which is completed in 1860, initiated by Sir Moses Montefiore, a British Jew uh, with funding um, uh, from a family uh, from Judah Toro, um, an American Jewish philanthropist. So he, gets, he raises some money, Jews raising money from Jews, and now he's going to go and create a settlement in Jer just outside of the old city in Jerusalem. So we're beginning to see European Jews in the 19th century uh, move and emigrate towards uh, Jerusalem. It had 20 residential units, and the thing that's still standing to this day, kind of the, kind of the landmark, is the windmill. So the big windmill... Uh, demarcates and represents kind of this first European settlement of Jews in Western Jerusalem. Still there. Uh, and 
1882, this movement kind of marks the beginning of a secular Zionist movement. And remember we talked about how Judaism is a religion, but it also over time becomes an ethnicity, right? There, there are Jewish people ethnically who may or may not practice Judaism. And then there's people who are Jewish who may or not, may not be traditionally ethnically Jewish. So we begin to see secular Zionism, that is Jews, ethnic Jews, moving to their, their understood ancestral homeland in the 19th century. Um, but they aren't necessarily religious Jews. They might be a little bit, you know, and they might keep kosher or something. But for the most part, it's not about uh, the Orthodox Judaism. It's just ethnic Jews moving back to West Jerusalem. And it's kind of represented again by this. You can still go see the windmill there uh, in West Jerusalem. Uh, last thing I want to show you on this slide, it all fits, yes. Um, during the Crusades, you basically just have Christians. The Christians weren't tolerant of other, they just kind of threw everyone else out. So Jerusalem, during the Crusades, is a Christian city. During the Mamluk period, you have a population with about 2,000 Muslims, Jewish, and Christians. Again, the walls are down. It's not that big of a, of a town. It's just not that important of a city, 2,000 people. Under the Ottoman period, there is a period of tolerance under Ottoman rule, Islamic rule, uh, between the Muslims, Jews, and Christians. And they began taking census records. So you can see in 1553, there were 1650 Jews, there were 10,000 Muslims, and 1650 Christians. So about the same amount of Jews and Christians living in Jerusalem. This is in the 16th century, 1553. But obviously a large majority of Muslims. By the time we get to 1800, the beginning of the 19th century, there are 2,000 Jews, so not much increase. 2,750 Christians, so a little bit of an increase, over 1,000, not quite double. But the amount of Muslims had really moved down. There were other places to live, other better places to live. So the Muslim population comes down a little bit. And by the time we get to 1845, we can see that Muslims are no longer the dominant uh, ethnicity or, or, or people in uh, Jerusalem. The Jews have actually risen 7,120 uh, 7, versus Christians, which are still rising. Muslims have gone up a little bit, but they're now beginning, we're beginning to see the effects of immigration. Jews are now outnumbering Muslims in Jerusalem. Not in the whole region, but in Jerusalem. And of course, once the British take over, which we'll talk about today, uh, we see 33,000 Jews, 13,000 Muslims, and 14,000 Christians. Now there's about the same number of Christians and Muslims, but the Jewish immigration, the Jewish uh, migration, Zionism, both secular and orthodox, or religious, um, is really beginning to take off. By the time we get to 1931, you've got 50,000 Jews. 19, Muslim population is still going up. Christian population is still going up. They're still about equal, but the Jewish number in Jerusalem is going up even more. This is what we mean by Zionism, the migration of Jews towards Jerusalem. Um, by the way, we, we note this as Christian Arabs. Most, lest we forget that a lot of Arabs that live in this, re especially in the Bethlehem area, it used to be more Nazareth, the, those cities traditionally associated with Christianity are Christian Arabs. Not all of them, some of them are Islamic Arabs, but a lot of the Arabs we're talking about in the Near East are Christians. Christian Arabs, a lot of the, pardon me, a lot of the Christians we're talking about are Arab Christians. Um, it used to be, by the way, that the city of Bethlehem, uh, just outside of Jerusalem, was about 85% Christian. All Arab, but it was 85% Christian and only 15% Muslim. And in the past 30 years, that's flipped. Most of the Christians have left, and now uh, Bethlehem 
is basically it's about 80 percent uh, Islamic, and there are very few Christian families. There are some, and they're prominent, um, but the numbers have, have almost flipped. And then by the time you get to um, the Israeli census record after the formation of the state of Israel, you've got 123,000 Jews living there, and 47,000 Arabs. So this is your demographic chart for what we call Zionism. They began to have a concerted effort by many religious leaders in the 12th century and then into the 18th and 19th century telling Jews, go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem, and the numbers change. And it hadn't been that way up, you know, up through the 16th century, 17th century, and then it, then it all flips. Okay, any questions? So we want to pick up now with, uh, with 20th century Jerusalem. Give me one second to switch these out. <coughs> 